Hi, this is the podcast channel of Lighthouse Church in Ottawa, Canada. We are a family. We don't do life alone. We are about the one, each and every one. Thank you so much for tuning in today. Our hope and prayer is always for life change. Here is today's message. Be blessed as you listen. If you're not aware, we are in the second week of a sub-series called Giant Slayers under the broader series called David. So I'm just going to continue from where we started last week, the book of 1 Samuel, chapter number 17 and verse number 4. 1 Samuel chapter 17, verse number 4. I'm reading from NLT. I'm going to read from verse 4 to verse 11. It's a bit of a long reading like we did last week. I'll read from 32 to 40. All right, 32 to 40. So I read. So the Bible says this, that then Goliath, a Philistine champion of Gath, from Gath, came out of the Philistine ranks to face the forces of Israel. He was over nine feet tall, over nine feet tall. The average man in this day and age, when the context, in this context, was about five feet and five inches. All right. So he was almost double the height of a regular dude. He wore a bronze helmet and his bronze coat of mail weighed 125 pounds. <laughs> he also wore bronze leg armor and carried a bronze javelin on his shoulder. The shaft of his spear was as heavy and thick as a weaver's beam, tipped with an iron spearhead that weighed 15 pounds. His armor bearer walked ahead of him carrying a shield, and Goliath stood and shouted a taunt across to the Israelites. Why are you all coming out to fight? He called. I am the Philistine champion, but you are only the servants of Saul. Choose one man, choose one man to come down here and fight me. If he kills me, then we will be your slaves. But if I kill him, you will be our slaves. I defy the armies of Israel today. Send me a man who will fight me. When Saul and the Israelites heard this, they were terrified and deeply shaken. That was verse number 11. Jump all the way to verse number 32 now. 32. It says, don't worry about this Philistine. David told Saul, I will go and fight him. Don't be ridiculous, Saul replied. <laughs> Don't be ridiculous. There is no way you can fight this Philistine and possibly win. You are only a boy, so there's a way you can you can fight him, but fighting and winning is unlikely. All right, follow that train of thought there. Um, you're only a boy, and he's been a man of war since his youth. He has more experience than you. But David persisted. I have been taking care of my father's sheep and goats. He said, when a lion or bear came or comes to steal a lamb from the flock, I go after it with a club and rescue the lamb from his mouth. And if the animal turns on me, I catch it by the jaw and I club it to death. I have done this to both lions and bears. I'll do it to this pagan Philistine too. Why? Because he has defied the armies of the living God. The Lord who rescued me from the claws of the lion and the bear will rescue me from this Philistine. Saul finally consented. All right, he said, go ahead, he said, and may the Lord be with you. Then Saul gave David his own armor, a bronze helmet, a coat of mail. David put it on, strapped the sword over it and took a step or two to see what it was like, for he had never worn such things before. I can't go in this, he protested to Saul. I am not used to them. 
So David took them off again. He picked up five smooth stones from a stream and put them in his shepherd's bag. Then armed only with his shepherd's staff and sling, he started across the valley to fight the Philistine. Armed only with his shepherd's staff and a sling, he started across the valley, started across the valley to fight the Philistine. Let us pray. Holy Spirit, we ask that you open your word to us. Send your word with power in the name of Jesus. Give utterance for delivery of your word. Let us do justice, O God, to your counsel for this day, for this hour. Let the word of God do us good in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. 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 I just want to go right into the word this morning. You know, last week we started the conversation on giant slayers. And one of the things we said last week was that a giant is a significant obstacle. All right. A significant obstacle is a giant. A giant is opposition to your destiny that is physically insurmountable. Opposition to destiny that's physically insurmountable. I said that a giant can be a big opportunity that you have but with little chance of success. It's a huge opportunity, but you have very little slim chance of being successful. I said a giant can be a threat that is intimidating, a threat that's intimidating, and a giant can be a gate to destiny. I said that it's not about doing something big in life, because when I say giant killers, you know, the first thing that comes to our minds is I'm going to do something big in life. I'm going to make a name for myself, you know, all this ambition. And I said, it's not about that. It's not about doing something big in life. It's not about making a name for yourself. It's about doing something significant with your life, with your life. It's not about making a name for yourself. It's about making, it's about making a name for him, for God for God. Okay. It's not rooted in selfish ambition. It's rooted in his agenda, in his agenda. Right. And when you read the Bible, I'm teaching new material now. So this is today's content. Okay. When you read the Bible, especially when you read the book of Hebrews chapter 11, which is a very popular scripture, we call it the scripture on the faith hall of famers, right? You, you quickly start to understand that the Bible says, you know, starting from verse number three, that by faith we understand, all right, going further down, it says that by faith Abel, then it goes further, says that by faith Enoch, by faith Noah, all right, by faith Abraham, by faith Sarah, go further down, it says by faith Isaac, by faith Jacob, by faith Joseph, you know, by faith Moses, by faith the children of Israel, by faith Rahab. You know, it talks about all these great things that people were able to accomplish by faith, by faith, by faith. But as you get further down and you get to verse number 32, I want to read 32 to 34 to you, all right? And we start our conversation from there this morning. And the Bible says that, and what more shall I say? For the time would fail me to tell of Gideon, of Barak, of Samson, of Jephthah, of David, and Samuel, and the prophets who through faith subdued kingdoms. Through faith, they worked righteousness. Through faith, they obtained promises. Through faith, they stopped the mouths of lions. They quenched the violence of fire, they escaped the edge of the sword, and out of weakness they were made strong, 
they became valiant in battle and turned to flight the armies of the aliens. They did all this through faith, okay? Through faith, Noah built an ark. Through faith, Abraham believed God and left his father's house. Through faith, Sarah received strength to conceive. Through faith, you know, Moses decided not to be called a son of the Pharaoh, but chose his own path through faith. And you see all these great things that people did through, um, through faith. Speaking to the concept of giant slaying, right? Where you do significant things with your life. And every time that you would have to do that as a child of God, it will be through faith. So Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 1, the Bible says that now faith is. Faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things that are not seen. All right. So the exploits that you will do, the significant things that you will do, and I gave you all kinds of examples of what could qualify physically relevant, practical examples as killing a giant in our day and in our world and in your context today. But if you're going to do any of that stuff at all, if you're going to overcome a significant obstacle, if you're going to take advantage of a big opportunity, if you're going to deal with a threat that's intimidating, if you're going to enter the gates of destiny, you will only be able to do that through faith, through faith. Giants are slayed by faith. If you're going to do the impossible, you must see the invisible. That is the spiritual principle. If you're going to do the impossible, you must, not may, you have to see the invisible because faith is the substance of things that you hope for and it's the evidence of things that are not seen. Now, what is faith really? Let me bring this, make, make this practical for you and give you a different definition of faith, all right? Faith happens, remember last week we talked about the giant in your mind that hinders or it's, it's able to capture the intent of the spirit and quench it. What faith is, is when the intents of the spirit somehow you know, triumph over the opposition of your mind and find physical expression. Faith is what happens when the spiritual intents of God imprinted on your heart, on your heart, on your heart, overcome the barriers of the mind, overcome the barriers of the mind and finds expression in the physical. That is faith. So faith is not just saying I've captured the intents of the spirit. It's not just believing God. It's when the belief that you have for what God has dropped or deposited in your spirit is strong enough that it can actually overcome all the hindrances, all the logic, all the arguments that show up in your mind. And beyond that, finds expression in the physical that is faith. So without a victory over the giants in the mind, you can never have faith. There can be no faith if you don't deal with the giants in the mind. Because what we said last week is that the giant that you have in your mind is going to keep you stagnated, is going to hinder you from taking a move. And faith without works is dead. So it's not believing in your head. It's not even believing in your heart. It is acting upon what you believe to prove that you believe what you have believed. That's what faith is. And you cannot act on it, obviously, if you're still dealing with the giants in your head. So faith is what happens when the spiritual intent of God, everything that God has deposited in you, in your heart, the things that God has, has whispered to you in the nighttime, the, the, the things that God has put upon your heart. Faith is when those spiritual intents imprinted upon the surface of your heart overcome the barriers of your mind 
to the point where they can find physical expression. That's faith. So faith is not a thought. It's not something you just believe. It's, it's actually, it can be proven. It's, it is the evidence. Okay. It's the evidence of things that are not seen. Understand also that faith is based on the will of God. You can never have faith for something that is not the will of God. It's not possible. If you try to pray and use faith to achieve something that is not the will of God, that can never be faith because the Spirit of God would not negate the counsel of God. The Spirit of God would not put something in your heart that is contrary to the will of God for you, whether the written will of God, the specific will of God in scriptures, or the will of God for your life. So therefore, faith must always have a foundation in the will, the will, the plan, the counsel of God. The Spirit of God cannot sanction what is against the will of God. Why is this important? And this is where it starts to get good. It's important because his will, his plan for your life aligns to where you find giants. That tells you right off the bat that not every giant is yours to slay. You don't veer off the path of purpose and go into some other path and try to slay giants there. You are better suited staying in your lane and slaying the giants in your lane. Not every giant is yours to slay. It's important that we understand is there are some giants that are designed specifically for you. And there are some giants that you have no business at all confronting because they're not yours to slay. They're not on your path. They're not in the will of God for you. You are chasing shadows. And God is saying to us that if you can stay in my will, my spirit works always within the will of God. And if you stay within the will of God, the giants that you find there, you have a chance of success because they are along the path of the will of God for your life. I'll tell you this much. When you, when you read the Bible in the book of Numbers, where you see the journey of the children of Israel, God says, I'm taking you guys to a land flowing with milk and honey. I'm taking you to a good land. And then he, he brings them to Numbers chapter 13. They spy the land and all that. And they come back with a report that says that there are giants there. We talked about this last week. Now on that journey, they get to certain nations and God says to them specifically, you shall not go into these nations because I have not given them to you. God says to them, you will not go into Moab. You would not go into Edom, for example. He says that you shall not go there. I will not give you those lands because they don't belong to you. Into the land of the Ammonites, I'm not going to give those lands to you. And as a matter of fact, in Numbers chapter 20, I believe it's the Edomites. They challenge the children of Israel. They confront them. And the Bible tells us that something very amazing happens. That the children of Israel, instead of engaging them in battle, they turn aside from them and they go on their journey. Why? Because God had been clear. I'm not giving you these lands. They don't belong to you. The Edomites were descendants of Esau. The Moabites and the Ammonites were descendants of Lot. So God says, these lands don't belong to you. Don't engage in battle there. Don't fight them. You will not win those battles. So I wonder how many giants we've taken on that we had no problem confronting in the first place. The Spirit of God aligns with the will of God. And you can only have faith if the will of God if you are in the will of God for your life and for that season of your life. Let's understand that that's extremely important. Not every giant is yours to slay. So what giants are yours to slay? What giants are your concern? Any giant that you find on the path of purpose is yours to slay. Any giant that is hindering your purpose is yours to slay. And any giant that has been placed by God as an opportunity like Goliath was for David, he was... An, uh, an opportunity, a massive opportunity wrapped up in a bow 
those giants are yours to slay. All right. So let me let me explain something about faith. I, I need us to understand. I'm going to do a bit of teaching. Okay. So let's preach into the more, more teaching because I need to understand. In, I need you to understand, and I need to build some structures in your mind and in your spirit. Everything you receive from God, everything you will do for God will be done by faith. Everything you will do for God and you will receive from God will be done by faith. So it's important that we understand how faith works. The most foundational, the most elementary thing you receive from God, the beginning of your walk with God, as a matter of fact, is your salvation, the salvation of your souls. And the, and the Bible says that we have been saved by grace, but through faith. So you get salvation, even though it's by the grace of God, you are able to cash in on the benefits and dividends of salvation and the reality of the new birth experience by faith, by faith. Faith is the currency of the kingdom of God. So let's, let's walk through the sequence of faith. So you have a clear understanding of how faith works. And we're going to use the salvation experience as a platform, as an example. Okay. And we're going to build on from there. What happens when a person gives their life to Christ. The first thing that happens is this. So this is the sequence of faith. The first thing that happens is that the Father has drawn that person to Jesus. John chapter 6 and verse 44. No man comes to me unless the Father draws him. So that speaks to the will of God. It is the will of the Father. God's counsel. It's in God's plan. First step, the Father draws him. Okay. The second thing that happens though is that the Spirit of God convicts the person. John chapter 16 and verse 8, when the Spirit of truth is come, he would convict the world of sin. So before anyone can be saved, the first thing that happens is that the Father draws the person. The second thing that happens is that the person is convicted by the Holy Spirit. By the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit does a work. It transmits a signal to the spirit of a person that we call conviction. All right. That's what happens next. The third thing that happens, you find in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 4 and 5. The Bible says that the mind has been blinded and the blindness, the blindfolding veil of the enemy is removed from the mind. All right. So the will of the Father, the Spirit's transmits that reality to your spirit we call that conviction the third thing that happens for that for any human being to be saved is that the veil is removed from the mind of the person and we talked about that last week the veil comes off the fourth thing that happens is that the person believes now you cannot believe if it's not the will of the father you cannot believe if the spirit has not convicted and you cannot believe if the veil has not been removed those three things have to happen but that's not the end of the journey of faith. That's not the end of the faith sequence. Believing is not the end. The person believes followed by confession and after that followed by doing. So it's almost a six step process. The will of the father, the conviction of the Holy Spirit, the veil, the healing of the mind that allows you to capture that reality from the spirit and transmit same into the physical. Then you can say, I believe with my heart. I confess with my mouth and then you go on doing to prove or to show that you have been saved. All right. So you cannot profess salvation and don't act saved. No, that is not salvation. It must always end in doing faith without works is dead. So therefore understand this in your journey to 
slay the giants in your adventure of life when you come against these giants on the path of destiny and the path of purpose this is the exact same sequence every time that faith is established or that faith manifests in some seasons of your life and in some specific instances this can happen in a split second you go from the will of the father to the doing part in a matter of two three four seconds all right but that's not how it happens most times most times we actually go through the process where you, you you know that this is the will of God for you. The Spirit of God imprints that will of God upon your heart. But the will of God, you know, what's on your spirit or on your spirit needs to go through and overcome the barriers of the mind. Then you believe that you can do it. Then you start to you, you start to speak it out like David did. And then you start to actually do it. That's exactly the sequence of faith. But it gets good. It gets good. Remember last week I told you this, that there are four categories of people. Four categories. I said that there are some people who do not capture any spiritual intent whatsoever. It's like their spirits are completely dead to the things of the spirit. They cannot capture spiritual intent at all. I said that there is a second group of people who captures the spiritual intent, but they do nothing about it. That's the group we talked about last week because their minds are a barrier. Their minds block out the things that the spirit of God is transmitting to them and they never act on it because their mind argues it away, gives them a reason why it would never work, explains why it's a foolish decision. And because of the argument, the arguments of the mind, the strongholds of the mind choke the intents of the spirit and it kills that intent there. They never do anything though they capture the heart of God. I said that there's a third group of people who actually capture the heart of God. They start to do all right, but they lose the battle against the giant. They capture the heart of God. They go beyond the second group because they actually start, they proceed, but they actually lose the battle. And then there's a fourth group of people that start, they, you know, they, they capture, they start, they, they do, and then they actually win like David did. And I want to talk about this third group of people today because, because faith can fail. What allows you to start, like we talked about last week, is when you overcome the barriers of the mind, when the spirit has given you enough of conviction and your, your mind has been trained to capture spiritual things and act on it, then you go forward like David did. The Bible says in verse 40 of 1 Samuel 17 that we read that David started across the valley so he could go fight the philistines the whole entire army of israel did not even start the journey so he started why he had overcome the barrier in his mind but starting is not enough it is very possible that you start on the journey you approach the giant and you still lose the battle why because faith can fail faith can fail it's almost like you know when you suffer from a brake failure when you drive a car or heart failure or something as medical science will tell us it is very possible and please pay attention to this it is extremely possible for you to start out in faith and you lose faith along the journey and that leads to a faith failure so you started out in faith as a matter of fact if you didn't have faith you would never have started so when people say well it didn't work out because you did not have faith that's not quite true it's possible that you started out in faith but it's also possible that along the journey you lose your faith and as a result you suffer a faith failure why why because the mind can kick in even after you've started the journey just because you've conquered the giant in the mind the first time and you've embarked upon this journey of obedience 
and your spirit is stirred up does not mean that the mind is not going to come back and represent represent the logic to you the the mind is like a zombie all right when you kill it it rises again it does not die permanently and that's why the bible says that be transformed by the renewing of your mind present continuous tense not by the renewal of your mind renewing of your mind so your mind must constantly be in a state of renewing and that's the only way that when you start in faith you can continue in faith when you start you've overcome the big giant never let your guard down why because there are new facts new logic that emerges on the journey before you've won the victory that can still change your mind that can sway your mind and can turn your faith to faithlessness very quickly just because you start in faith does not mean you will continue in faith it's important that you understand that and so the third group of people who receive capture the heart of god the will of god for their lives and they are stirred up and they they, they they somehow subdue the giants in their mind and they press on and they go and you find that some of them still suffer defeat along the way one of the reasons not the only reason but the reason i want to address today is because they started out in faith and along the line somewhere they lost faith because the mind repackages and represents the facts to you the mind kicks in again even after you have started in faith it is very possible so you never let your guard down if you want to secure resounding and total victory the, the, the new facts that the mind presents to you are capable of shutting down that spiritual energy that you have so how does this work i'm pleased that you asked let me show you how you remember in the bible when peter was on the boat with the other disciples and jesus walked on water and peter saw jesus walking on water the bible says the other disciples were scared and jesus says to them do not be scared blah blah, blah. and peter says lord if it's you send me to come ask me to come onto the water with you and jesus says to him come ah uh, right there in that moment peter captures a spiritual intent he overcomes it in his mind because he actually obeys and he starts the journey and he's walking on water he does walk on water but he gets to a point where his mind represents the facts to him why because he takes his eyes off jesus he looks at the wind and the wind is boisterous the waves are intense and in that moment his mind sets in again and says you should be sinking you really shouldn't be walking on the water and in that moment he lost he lost his faith and he started to sink and thank god that jesus was there to grab him and pull him out all right and save him that is a classic example of how you can start a giant killing mission in faith you're pumped up you're stirred up your heart's full of excitement you conquer the giants in your heart but as you go on the journey there are alternate facts or new sets of facts that have been that have been presented to you it's almost like a court case you know sometimes they say that there's new facts have now emerged and when your mind packages these facts and presents them to you what happens if you're not strong enough if your faith is not strong enough is that it causes you to lose faith and then you start to sink so let's talk about david and goliath for two seconds in first samuel chapter 17 where we read verse 40 says that david started pay attention and follow me david started across the valley towards goliath he started 
So he started out in faith. In verse 41, the Bible says that Goliath, however, walks out towards David with his shield bearer ahead of him, okay, sneering in contempt at this ruddy-faced boy. He is mocking him. You can tell from his face that he's demeaning David. He's disgusted at him. And he barks at David and says, Am I a dog? He roared at David, that you come at me with a stick. And he cursed David by the names of his gods. Come over here and I will give your flesh to the birds and wild animals. Goliath yelled, screamed at him. Now understand, there was a first set of facts that David had heard. When he first showed up to the battlefield, he heard Goliath, you know, chant for the first time, you are, mess you are, you are messengers of Saul. I am a champion of Gath or Philistines of Gath, whatever, come out against me. I will kill this person and that. So that was the first giant who entered his mind. He had to deal with that. He overcame that. But when he started towards Goliath, Goliath was not quiet. Goliath presented an alternate set of facts. Okay, Goliath presented an armor bearer. Goliath sneered at him. The Bible says then he starts to berate David. He starts to speak down at him. Starts to talk down at him and says, Am I a dog? Come here. I will kill you. I will feed your body to the birds and all that. And in that moment, in that moment is where your mind presents to you a second set of facts and says, um, was this really such a great idea? Are you sure that you did the right thing? And if David allowed that to sink into his mind at that time, he could have lost that battle very easily. Goliath never speaks once. Write that down. Goliath never speaks once. Just cause you overcame the first voice of Goliath, does not mean you're not going to hear another voice of Goliath. Just because your mind has won the first battle over the first set of facts and logic that your mind presented to try to oppose the things of the Spirit does not mean that you will not get in the middle of the journey and have to overcome repeatedly the presentation of logic and facts and hindrances and obstacles to your faith as you go along. It is a renewing of the mind, not a renewal of the mind. That is extremely important that you understand that. Goliath never speaks once. He speaks before you start. After you've started, he keeps speaking and presenting facts and things that can corrupt your mind to the point where your mind can stifle the faith that you once had and retrogress you to the point where you actually suffer a faith accident. Goliath speaks multiple times. As he started to approach Goliath, understand that Goliath starts to look bigger in his eyes. When you look at Goliath from a distance, it's different. But as you start to get closer to him, and this happens all the time, I don't know about you, when you start something, you're full of faith and you're so pumped up and you've, you know, you make all your declarations, your confessions, everyone is admiring your faith. And as you start the journey, as you start on the project, as you keep going, you start to realize as you get closer to Goliath that, uh oh, uh oh, this thing is actually not as easy as I thought. It's that Goliath gets bigger as you get closer to him. What you need to understand and do in that season is remember this Faith that you started with must be preserved at all costs. At all costs, you must preserve the faith that you started with. Okay, so your faith hasn't overcome just because you started in faith. The Bible says it is he that endures to the end that shall be saved. That shall be saved. Not It's not a one and done deal. 
No, it is very possible to conquer the mind, get started, and the mind is re-corrupted, for lack of a better word. That the mind, okay, is it's retrogressed into where it was before, to a place of doubt and unbelief, and is able to stifle and quench what the Spirit of God is doing in your life. Understand that Goliath never speaks just once. The problem with most of us, me included, is that we think that the faith that we require is just the faith to start. And so it happens all the time. You start a project or you, you, you're starting your, your studies or you're trying to get into, into university or maybe you're looking for, you're, you're trying to get into a particular degree program and it's a faith project for you. And you, you know, take the word of the Lord, you believe it, you confess it, you act on it. And lo and behold, there is a miracle. You get into school, but you don't remember that anything you start by faith, you must continue by faith. And so along the lines, that same miracle is going to get challenged. There's going to be a representation of facts to you. You realize, oh, maybe I'm not suited for this program. It's a bit too difficult for me. But you forget that you started in faith. Now you switch to logic and very quickly you suffer a faith accident. It's not like wrestling, you know. Um, I remember growing up, I used to watch wrestling. Um, I'm ashamed to say it, but it's true. I used to do it. <laughs> um, what wrestling where, you know, they pin you and then they count one, two, three, and it's, it's game over and, and, and it's all done. There's no three count victory over the mind. All right. The mind, like I said, is like a zombie. It keeps waking up. It keeps coming back. It keeps representing facts to you. So you have to constantly win that battle over your mind. It's not a one-time thing. It's a consistent thing that you must do. It's the same exact thing that happened with Caleb and Joshua. Caleb and Joshua in, you know, in Numbers chapter 13, went to the, to spy the land. They saw the land. They saw the giants and all that. So they saw a first presentation of the facts. And then they came back to the crowd, to the group of people. And then the, the, the other spies start a secondary presentation. So it's very possible that Caleb and Joshua, when they came back from spying the land, were all positive. We're going to go up at once. We're going to take the land. But when they started to listen to the arguments, of the other spies saying that the people in the land were giants the land is going to swallow us up we're like grasshoppers that second presentation the second voice of goliath could have changed their minds and they could have stopped the journey right so it's important that it's not about starting in faith you have to continue in faith because it is he that endures to the very end to the end that will be saved it's not enough to start in faith you have to continue in faith and you know what this also is your salvation experience if you read the story of the galatian church the bible says that they started out in faith they were believing god you know the work of grace and all that and along the line somewhere someone or some people came and corrupted their minds and told them well it can't be that easy how can it just be you believe in jesus i mean think about it are you guys dumb like use your brains for christ's sake i mean how can you just say i believe in jesus and all of a sudden you're saved there's more to it you know there are works you have to do you have to get circumcised you have to follow the law of moses and all that and people who started out in the faith all of a sudden the belief that they had that the conviction that they had from the holy spirit goes away and they start trying to conclude or to continue their work in the flesh. It never ends well. It never ends well. I spoke about the second group last week. I'm speaking about the third group this week. The group of people who would start but lose along the way. For us not to fall into that category, we have to remember it is a constant journey. It is not a one-time victory of our minds. It is a renewing of the mind. Faith is like a switch, you know. It activates the power of God. If you, if you, 
if your faith is strong, the power of God backs it up. And your faith has to be rooted in the will of God. So if God has sent you on an assignment, God has put something in your heart, God has put a project in your heart, a humanitarian project, God has put anything in your heart whatsoever, you're going to do it only by faith. All right? And you start out in faith. Once you start out in faith, it activates the power of God. And that's what happened with David. It was the faith that he had that activated the power of God so he could kill the giant. Once your faith is turned off, it's like a generator, a power generator. You turn off the power of God and all of a sudden you find yourself very vulnerable. And most times you're even worse off than when you started because now you are in the middle of the ocean. If Peter had just stayed in the boat, it might have been better for him, right? But you're now in the middle of the ocean, you've lost faith, you start to sink. Sometimes the result or the end of that can be a bit problematic, can be a bit problematic. I'll give you an example that's very, you know, very, you know, you can relate with. I remember when we we're going to start our church, um, this church, our church, Lighthouse Church um, in Ottawa, it was a complete faith move. There was no infrastructure on ground. There were there were evil reports about the land. You know, we can't do this. Churches would not work here. It came at a tremendous cost to myself and my family at the time. It was a hundred percent faith move. It was just, this is what the Spirit of God is saying. Shut up, giant, in our minds. We will go forward with what God is saying. And we went. Now, along the journey, I have constantly remembered, okay, to tell myself, you started this journey in faith. Let there never be a time when I switch to the mind, when my mind is able to convince me that some facts are truth. The truth is what God said at the beginning. Nothing else matters. And this is a constant reminder. And this must be the posture that we adopt. Because guess what? I have been on the other side of this where I started out certain things in faith, a project in faith and all that. But along the line somewhere, I faced some obstacles. I heard the second voice of Goliath or the second challenge of Goliath. And I was afraid. And as a result, I suffered a faith accident. All right. When you start in faith, you have to continue in faith. It is he that endures to the very end, till the very end, that will be saved. Faith can fail, guys. Jesus said to Peter, Satan has asked for you to sift you, but I have prayed for you that your faith will not fail you. That your faith will not fail you. If you're going to be a giant slayer, if you're going to fulfill the purpose of God for your life, if you're going to do something of significance with your life, if you're going to make a name for him, for him, your faith walk must be consistent. It must be consistent. It is by faith that we get things done in the kingdom of God. By faith, they, they, they took kingdoms. By, by faith, they overcame. By faith, they shut the mouth of lions. By faith, they did this. By faith, they did that. By faith, Sarah received strength to conceive. By faith, Joseph. By faith, children of Israel. It is by faith that everything we do in the kingdom of heaven and the kingdom of God is done. So therefore, my challenge to you is this. Having started out in faith, make sure that you continue in faith. The same process that gave you faith at the beginning, the will of God, of the Father, the conviction of the Holy Spirit, the victory over the mind, the confessing of it, all right, the, 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 the believing, the confessing, and the doing, you have to repeat that cycle over and over 
and over again. And if you do that repeatedly, you find yourself in a place where you can say that you have truly slayed all the giants that have come against you because your faith endured to the very end. And that's why you are saved. Listen to me. Let me just talk to you for a second about this. Faith is in levels. When you give your heart to Jesus, you have been given a measure of faith. Okay. A measure of faith, but you start to grow in faith. But you cannot grow in faith unless you've received the first measure, the first dimension, the initial deposit of faith in your heart. That's the seed of faith. And it grows and it grows as you nurture it. It grows. It becomes stronger until it becomes a mighty oak oak tree. That's why the Bible says that if you have faith like a mustard seed, faith has seed, seed characteristics. It can start small. You give your heart. It starts small, but that seed becomes big. It grows, it grows. And so for some of you right now, you're wondering, I don't even have faith. I'm not even able to capture spiritual realities to begin with. All right, this is not happening for me at all. I just want to encourage you, give your heart to Jesus. Once you submit to his lordship, once you acknowledge his sacrifice, the price that he paid on the cross for you, his spirit comes and lives inside you. And with that spirit comes your initial deposit of faith, which you start to tend, you start to tend, you start to cultivate, and it starts to grow. So just bow your heads with me. Thanks again for listening. To hear more messages like this one, make sure you subscribe to our podcast channel. If you want to be a blessing to others, share the message. To stay connected, Download our app and follow us on Instagram at Lighthouse Church Ottawa. We love you.